Hey, what's up everyone? It is Pastor Marcus here from the storychurchproject.com. Welcome to the Story Church Project podcast where our focus is how to redesign the local Adventist church to tell its story loud to a culture that is no longer listening. I hope that you're blessed by what you hear and that it inspires you to make a difference in your local church today. Happy Monday, everyone. It is Marcus here again. It's super cool to be here uh, for another episode of the Story Church Project podcast. Today, I want to talk about a a topic that is, um, it's one that obviously is personal for me. I think for any of us who are leaders in church, um, this is something that we've all experienced. And I've I've titled it, Here's Why You Can't Motivate Your Church and How to Do It. Uh, So again, it's really personal for me because these are things that I hear all the time from church leaders. And I'm just not just talking about pastors here. I'm talking about nominated church leaders, volunteers, elders, um, you know, personal ministry leaders, that sort of thing. And and I hear these complaints from church leaders all the time. And they they often go something like this. Uh, Number one, no one wants to do anything. Uh, I hear that all the time, um, especially when I go into a new church and I'm trying to figure out, you know, what the dynamics are. There's always that person in the leadership team who's like, you know, Pastor, the real problem here is the people don't support the events. We tried, but no one showed up. They, they just don't want to do anything. Um, and at times, what what I've noticed is the frustration can get so overwhelming that we're tempted to actually judge the spirituality of the church. And so I'll hear statements from people's uh, along the lines of, hey, if they were serious about their faith, you know, implying that that they're not serious about their faith, and that's why they don't come to prayer meeting, for example, or or people just aren't committed like they used to be, or back in my day we didn't have this problem. Um, these are all statements where you know people are so frustrated, leaders are so frustrated that they're actually starting to judge the spirituality of their members. Now, now, granted, let, let's be frank here. Um, these statements are not like totally false. Um, our church is dead. Uh, there's no news flash there, uh, and a dead church is pretty much the outflow of the dead individual members who make up the church. So, it's it, they're not entirely false statements. But here's the thing. Uh, as leaders, we don't have the luxury of pointing fingers or passing blame. That's the reality. We have to find solutions, real and lasting solutions. That's why we're leaders. And, and the downside to a lot of these complaints is I never usually hear solutions. All I hear is whinging. Um, and look, I get it. The problem is real and it's frustrating. But if you're a leader, you're there to find solutions. Uh, and here's the thing. The first step. Uh, toward solving any problem is you you've got to properly identify where the problem is coming from it's it's epicenter its source so if your church members don't support events if they don't participate in evangelism if they don't buy into your attempts uh, at creating a strategy to reach your community then you have to find out why you you can't just keep you know, meeting with your leaders and, and having whinge sessions about it, you've got to find out why, uh, because those are symptoms of a deeper problem. And what I found is that it's through conversation, one-on-one, face-to-face dialogue that the real issues can emerge. And, 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 and that's really important because another thing that I see lots of leaders do is they simply try and guess, or they just go with their gut or with their feeling. Um, but you got to drop opinion. If you really want forward movement, you got to look for facts, not opinion. And you'd be surprised. Sometimes you'll be so convinced it's one thing and it, it, it happens to be something else. And so f- for that reason, 
in this particular podcast, uh, I'm, I'm not going to try and accurately diagnose the source of the problem for like every single church because they're all different. And so this, the source is going to be different. Uh, sometimes it's a historical wound. Sometimes it's warped theology. And, and sometimes, let's be honest, guys, like sometimes the problem is you. Uh, and, and if it is, then listen, you know, eat some humble pie if you have to just listen, pray for guidance and allow the experience to help you grow. And, and I promise the church will respect you for it. Uh, but there is one theme, and that's what I want to focus the rest of the time on. There is one theme that is recurrent in many churches I've been to, and, and that's the one I want to bring up here. And so if you keep this theme in mind, this idea, plus you have those conversations that you need to have with your members in your church, whether you're an elder, pastor, it doesn't matter. Um, you have those conversations. Uh, I think by using these two, you're going to unearth the core issues and you will resolve them. So here's the recurring theme that I've witnessed in countless churches. Now, I want you to imagine that you have a car sitting in your garage um, and you never drive it, but it's a classic. So you don't want it to break down from inactivity. However, you don't have the time to take care of it. So naturally, what you end up doing is you hire someone to come to your house once a week and make sure the engine is oiled, the coolant is topped off, the transmission fluid is clean, the battery is healthy. Um, and you may even have the person take the car for a small spin around the block, nothing eventful. Uh, and then they go home, job done. Now, this person hasn't done anything spectacular. They, they didn't take the car to a car show. They didn't sign up to a charity drive they didn't hire it out for romantic dates or weddings and photo shoots or anything like that they, they simply maintained it that's what you hired them for nothing more now this person that i'm describing in this illustration uh is exactly how the vast majority of church members see you as your denominated church leadership team they don't have time they don't have energy but they don't want to let go of the church. So year after year, they nominate people to maintain the church's engine and take it for small, uneventful spins. Nothing more. In short, most churches don't perceive their nominated leaders as real leaders. They perceive them as a maintenance crew. Uh, you got to let that sink in because it's so important. Most churches don't perceive, they don't think of, they don't envision, they don't picture their nominated leaders as real leaders. They perceive of, they picture, they think of their nominated leaders as a maintenance crew. Keep the Sabbath school going. Keep the worship service going. Keep, you know, the, the church clean. A, a maintenance crew. That's what they think when they think of the nominated committee. Maybe not actively, but that's certainly what's going on in, in the back of their heads. So, so when the leaders get together, for example, and plan, let's, let's go back to the metaphor, plan to take the car to a show or sign up to a charity drive or hire it out to weddings, uh, the members who nominated them, they just sit back and watch. They, they don't dive into the process because that's not what they had in mind when they nominated you. They, they, they don't get pumped about the new possibilities because when they voted you into your office, whether you're an elder or a deacon or health ministry, whatever, uh, they weren't thinking about new possibilities. They were simply going through the motions of putting people into positions that would keep the machine oiled, nothing more. So here's why you can't motivate your church as a leader, because few people even see you as a leader to begin with. In their mind, you're there to oil the machine, and that's it. They weren't expecting a revolution when they voted you in. In fact, they weren't even asking for one. So if, if you go ahead and you decide to start one, 
they're not following you because it's not what they had in mind when they approved your name for the office. It's not like they're sitting there waiting, lead us, lead us, lead us. Yes, ah, oh, he's he's leading us. All right, let's follow, let's back him up. That's not what they're thinking because <laughs> that's not what they were ever thinking. You're an engine oiler. And so long as you do that well, they'll vote you back in year after year. So obviously, you know, the question is, how can you change this? And uh, there's good news and bad news. The good news is you can change it. Uh, the bad news is it requires some high level commitment because you can't change this mindset overnight. It's going to take time and repetition and it can last up to three years uh, or more before the culture begins to change. But it's worth it. So here is, I just want to share with you guys um, what I do in, in my local churches, the process that we're working through right now. And it's, um, it's certainly beginning to make a difference. And so I want to share that with you guys. And, um, you know, obviously have those conversations, like I said before, because this isn't the end all be all. This is one of the issues that I've seen that sort of repeats in every church. But you got to have conversations to really iron out the, the individual core issues in your church. But here's the plan on how we change this culture of people not seeing their leaders as leaders. Um, number one, obviously, you got to create a mission plan for your church with your leaders. That's the very first step. So if you haven't done that, you, know, you can forget about everything else. You got to create a mission plan for your church with your leaders. Now, you might be sitting there thinking, all right, well, like, how exactly do I do that? Uh, there's lots of books. And at the moment, I've, I've got a book I've written. It's not published yet, so I can't really offer it. Um, but there are others. And I highly recommend the book Simple Church. All right, that's the book I highly recommend, um, especially for Adventist churches. It's called Simple Church by Tom Rainer. Uh, and that will help you, you know, walk you through a process on creating a mission plan. But here's the thing. You, number one, you got to create a mission plan. If you don't have a mission plan with your leaders, forget about everything else. You can pause the, um, you know, the, the podcast right now. If you, if, you, if you have no plan and no aspiration and no dream to push for a mission plan at your church, then just stop listening right now because nothing else is, I say, is really going to matter. All right, number two, you've got your mission plan. Now, the next step that you have to do is you have to get every leader of every ministry in your church. It doesn't matter what ministry, whether it's library, treasury, elder, personal ministry, doesn't matter. Every leader of every ministry has to write a one-page document on how their particular ministry is going to fulfill that mission. And here's why is that that's important. Because many of our leaders have begun to see themselves as a maintenance crew as well. All right, they've been they've been seen in that light for so long that that's how they see themselves right now, and we've got to get out of that mindset first before we can get the people out of that mindset, and and so the leaders of regardless what ministry it is they're leading need to see themselves as kingdom builders. All right, no one in your church is there purely for administration. No one in your church is there purely to crunch numbers and letters. You're there to build the kingdom of God. Whether you're running PowerPoints in the back, or you're counting money after church service, or you're you know you're a Sabbath school coordinator, it doesn't matter. Everyone is building the kingdom, and you've got to have that mindset change. So get every leader to write a one-page document on how their particular ministry is going to fulfill that mission that you've created. And then have each of those leaders meet with their respective teams. Not all of them will have a team, but most of them will. Meet with their respective teams and communicate the contents of that document to their teams. So now everyone in the team is on the same page and everyone in the team is having the mindset change. I'm not here to oil the machine. I'm here to make a difference. I'm here to build the kingdom of God. All right, step, that's step number two. Um, and if you need these steps, you know, in text, just head over to the storychurchproject.com slash blog. This is the latest blog this week. Here's why you can't motivate your church and how to do it. You can click it, scroll to the bottom, and it's there all numbered in text. Um, step number three, ask the team members to then discuss the mission with their families and friends in the church. 
right, and give them a time frame to do it. So say, look, guys, here's our mission. Here's what we need to accomplish. Here's what we need to do in our team. You know, here's the mission for the church, and here's what our team is going to focus on. Now go home and share this. Right, you can have printouts of this. You're like, go home and share this with your friends and family who are in the church. Have conversations. You guys have one month. Come back, you know, and we'll talk about the conversations that we had, right? But have those conversations. It doesn't have to be a month. It could be a week, whatever, you know, you decide. But don't, you know, don't make it too long. Um, so that's step number three. They're Now they're going off and having this conversation about the mission with their friends, with their family in the church. Um, so basically what you've done is you've gone from your leadership meeting your, your where, where your, your core leaders develop the mission plan to your team's to the families and friends all throughout the church all right step number four celebrate your leaders and the difference they're making in front of the church use their example to inspire the rest of the members so as time goes by different things are going to be transpiring different changes are going to be happening be be attentive to that and if you're a pastor and you've got like more than one church then have your head elder be attentive to that so that when things happen just celebrate it all right just celebrate it it doesn't matter how small it is celebrate it in front of the church and number five when nominating committee returns Invite the members and the committee to think in terms of kingdom building, not in terms of maintenance. So you got to push this narrative. Uh, and if new leaders are nominated, have them agree to the document from step two as a condition of accepting the role. Then repeat step three and four. And as a reminder, step three is ask the team members to discuss with their friends and family. And step four, celebrate your leaders. So those are it's just five steps. And again, if you're listening to this as a podcast, I know I talk kind of fast. You might be thinking, okay, how do I remember that? I got to rewind and listen. Again, just go to the blog. You can find it there in text. So here's the thing. If you repeat this process over and over again, over time, um, you're going to start to see this change. Why? Well, because this is what the process is accomplishing. It's accomplishing two things. First, it's enabling the mission of the church to go from the leaders to the people. So I want you to picture something else here. I want you to use imagination again. I want you to picture a mountain and there's water at the top of the mountain and the water trickles down to the valley, right? This is a pretty you know, normal picture. We, we see this all the time, water trickling down a mountain, little waterfalls and stuff all the way down to the valley. It doesn't stay at the top. It comes down to the bottom. Um, and that's what you're doing here. The mission and the, and, and the vision of the church is at the top of the mountain with the core leaders, but it shouldn't remain there. It needs to trickle down the mountain. And so what you're doing is you're getting your leaders to com- you know, communicate this mission and vision to their teams and you're getting the teams to communicate it to the people. It's trickling down the mountain. Uh, not just with a sermon at the front of the church, but in actual conversation, people meeting with people. Um, and second, the process, what it does is it then begins to rewire the minds of church members to expect results from their leaders and to view them as leaders, not machine oilers. And over time, as the process repeats, the new expectation and process settles in and people begin elected leaders with a desire for forward movement. And once that culture is in place, you will no longer have to motivate your church as a leader because the very fact that you're in your position is the result of motivated people who are ready to be led. And they said, hey, let's pick this guy because we believe he can take us to the next level or let's pick this lady because we believe she can take us to the next level. So guys, that is uh, what I wanted to share with you today. Here's why you can't motivate your church and how to do it. Again, if you need to review it, you know, you can listen to the podcast again or head over to the storychurchproject.com slash blog and you can see the steps there written in text, easy to follow. Now, one more thing before I close, guys, if you haven't done it, you've got to do it. I'm telling you, um, you don't want to miss out on this. Uh, if you go to my website, thestorychurchproject.com, uh, and you click on the on the um, start here button at the beginning, it will take you to a page that will allow you to subscribe to my um, my mail mailing list. And when you subscribe to that mailing list, what you get is you get access 
to a course. Now, it's a seven videos, seven short videos, and in that course, I teach you what I call the three-chunk method of church revival, all right? The three-chunk method of church revival. And, and what I do is I take like the tons of books that I've read on how to revitalize your church, and I condense all of that into three really simple steps that you can start using right now, and you can share this with your leaders, with your friends, with your pastor, and, and they can watch these videos as well, and, and start this process is super easy, super simple. So again, you go to the storychurchproject.com and you go to, you click on the start button um, and you will see it there, right? You can subscribe or maybe you'll get a pop-up if you haven't been to the website before, you can subscribe to the mailing list and I will email you a password so that you can get access to the seven videos. So do that. If you haven't done it yet, do it now. If you're listening to me on your car, tell Google to give you a reminder to sign up because you guys don't want to miss it. It's really awesome. All right, take care. God bless, and I'll catch you next week. Thank you for listening to this week's latest episode of the Story Church Project Podcast. I hope you were blessed. If you haven't yet had a chance, I want to invite you to head over to the storychurchproject.com and subscribe to the newsletter. Not only will you get the latest updates every week, but I'm also going to send you a free gift straight to your inbox. You don't want to miss it. I'll catch you on the next one.